If you're new here, my name is Christopher Scroggins. I am the campus pastor for Chi Alpha, and uh, that just means that once a week I yell at you about Jesus, and uh, yeah, so that's about it. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Um, hey, is anybody here, is this your first time here, and you don't mind raising your hand? Anybody? Anybody? All right, here you go. Free t-shirt. And free t-shirt. That's what I'm talking about. All right. Congratulations, everybody. You get a free t-shirt. That is an old one, so you still got to get one of the new ones, and those designs look uh, fresh. They are lit, as the kids say these days. Is that good? Yeah? Did I say it right? Best where you at. You got to help me be cool. Thank you. All right. Hey, you know Javier's here. Did you did y'all see? Javier, wave to everybody. I missed him immensely. He's like top 100 favorite Mexicans I've ever met. <laughs> Easy. Um, yeah, so uh, today we're going to talk about, uh, we're going to be kicking off our series really on the character of God. We're going to be talking about what God is like, because that's one of the big questions we get to ask, right? Everybody's like, hey, you should love God. And you're like, yeah, cool. That sounds like a great idea. Who is he? And so that's what we're going to talk about, is what is this God person like? And we're going to be spending the whole semester talking about that. And I think it'll be fun. So tonight, we're going to be talking about the friendship of God, as in how he is capable of it. And I, I did want to say, like, the friendliness of God, that just feels weird, right? Um, but maybe I should have titled it that anyway. But uh, if you have your Bibles with you, open up to John chapter 15, verse 15. And uh, if you don't have your Bible with you, it'll be on the screen on those two, not that one. I got to stop looking to my right. Um, I have like a mini panic attack every time I look that way. Oh, God, the screens are off because you can't do church without a screen. Anyway, um, but yeah, uh, if you have uh, the Gideon Bible that you stole from your Motel 6 hotel, it's going to be page 923. So uh, that's not true. I lied, but it's funny a little bit. No? Okay. Um, while you have your Bibles open, I want to talk a little bit about, about friendship as it stands right now. Friendship is like uh, something, in my mind, it has become very cheesy and cheap. You know what I mean? Like, because now we're like friends with people, but it's friends online, and that friendship costs us like a mouse click, you know? Like, you get, I get like friend requests from robots all the time on Facebook, you know? And it's just like, will you be my friend? No. You know what I mean? But, but sometimes it's like somebody that you've met like tangentially, like you happen to stand in the same social, so you know what I'm talking about, like you, you vaguely encountered them in life and then like you come home and they've, they've like friend requested you on like TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, like they straight up stalked you, you know, they've commented on your Twitter timeline. I don't know if y'all do Twitter anymore. I'm almost 40, so that's what I do. Um, but you know what I mean? It's just like, click, okay, uh, I, guess, I guess we're friends. Like, and I, I think this is true in our culture. I think all of us kind of feel that, right? Because even in like our movies, we, we don't say that we're friends with people anymore, right? My favorite example is the Fast and the Furious movie series, right? Woo! Which is a movie series. It's so good. It exists. A car went to space last time, guys. A car went to space. I've never seen any of those movies. Um, but I do know, like, one of the cheesiest things, the fastest things to, like, make me turn off a movie is when you have, like, a stupid moral at the end of it, right? You know, like, like uh, at the end of Wonder Woman, you know, it's like, 
she's fighting like a, a, a monster guy, right? In like the first Wonder Woman, right? She's fighting like some, uh, the God of War. I don't know. I wouldn't, he had a mustache. I remember that, right? And they're shooting like lasers at each other and, and like flying through the air and like blowing up things. And then at the end, she's like, the most powerful thing in the world is love. And I'm like, shut up. Shut up. You just threw an airplane into the sun. Shut up. Like, my little Valentine's Day card can't stop that. You know what I mean? It's not love. Anyway, in Fast and the Furious, like, they're not friends, remember? Like, like uh, Vin Diesel says, we're family. Yeah. Right? Was that a good Vin Diesel? Yeah. I saw him in a movie one time. Not in real life, though. That would be cool. Um, but you know what? Like, They can't just be friends. They have to be family, right? And I want to campaign to, like, reclaim this word friends, right? I think friendship needs to be redefined for us because now it's cheap and cheesy and we feel like, like, no, we're family, you know? Like, you're not just friends, you're sisters, you know? You're not just friends, you're brothers, you know what I mean? Because the words become cheap. I say that tonight we seek to redefine it for ourselves. Amen? Does that sound good? All right, so if you have your Bibles open, John 15, 15. And this is the words of Jesus. He's speaking to his disciples. This is at the Last Supper, right? You ever wonder if they're like, hey, Jesus, the, uh, you know, everything's set up for the Last Supper. And he's like, the last what? Uh, The supper, the normal supper, Jesus, you know. Anyway. um, (laughs) Hey, what did you call the Friday that I died on? Bad Friday. (laughs) Not good Friday. Worst Friday. Anyway, so Jesus is at the Last Supper with his disciples. This is the last time that he's spending any time with them before he's about to be crucified and and die and then rise again, right? And so he's speaking to them at the dinner, and this is what he says to them. He says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, will you speak to us tonight? Holy Spirit, we, um, we ask that you would come into our hearts and minds and convict us of what is true and convict us of what is wrong. Lord, we leave ourselves into your hands to mold us and shape us how you will tonight. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So yeah, friendship, right? It's, it's uh, really hard and it's kind of risky, you know what I mean? Like, how many of you, you don't have to raise your hand, especially if the person's in this room, but how many of you have been burned by a friend or really hurt by a friend, you know? Everyone would have to raise their hand, you know what I mean? Um, It's hard. It's hard to keep friends. Um, I know, like, I had the honor and, and the privilege of staying in the same, like, school system and all of that, all, like my family never moved my whole time from elementary school, from kindergarten all the way up to graduation, right? So there's a good group of like 40 of us that were in kindergarten together, in first grade, all the way up to high school. Do you know how many of those people I stay in touch with? One, his name is Philip, and he's really smart. He's a professor in Connecticut. And the bummer is he has to live in Connecticut, so R.I.P. Philip. Philip, if you listen to this, I love you. I miss you. Anyway, um, no, he's like, because friendships are hard, right? Life gets in the way. You forget to text somebody back for four years. 
you know? Like, stuff like that happens, you know? They call, and you're like, ah, man, I'm really busy binging Netflix right now. I'll get back to you. And then 10 years later, you see them, and you're like, I never called you back that one time. And they just go, I hate you. I wish nothing but death upon you, right? (laughs) Friendship's hard, right? And there's generally, like, kind of, basically, roughly, everyone can be sorted into two different responses to friends, right? Generally, there's just, like, two types Right, there's the, there's the person that's kind of more like me, you know, where it's like, I need help. Where are my friends? You know, like I project out there, like I'm going through a hard time, friends. Rally to me, you know what I mean? Like hearken to me, my friends, and help me conquer and vanquish that which opposes me, right? And that could be everything from like, I want to go somewhere for lunch, or like my car blew up, you know? You know what I mean? Like anything in between. And then there's other people that are like, like, I need help, but I don't want to bother my friends because I love them, you know? And these people are the ones that, like, like they're pierced through the chest with a javelin, and then, like, they're, like, walking and struggling to the hospital, you know? And they're like, you, you call them, like, are you okay? You're like, no, but I'll, I'll be fine on my own. Don't, don't, go, just stay home and watch, and watch TikTok videos. I'll be fine. You know what I mean? There's those people, and some of you are those people, right? You don't, you will not bother anyone for anything, right? Because, because you don't want to be bothered yourself, right? You don't want to burden someone. You don't want to be a burden, right? And those are generally the two approaches to friendship. You see what I mean? Like, anyway. So, in both of those avenues, right, the, the bottom line is you need friends, and you know it. Like, that one person, like, if you're one of those people that doesn't want to bother anyone, you know deep down, you're like, I could really use some help, I'm just afraid to ask. And what you need is you need a friend that will just straight up kick down your door and be like, nah, jerk, get out of bed, we're going partying, you know, whatever, you know. We're going to the movies, you know, whatever. And then if you're, if you're more like me and you're like broadcasting every little inconvenience out there, Right? You know that you need help to get over those inconveniences. Right? Friendship is a need. You need friends. And if anything that COVID isolation has taught us, it's that we, we don't go, do good alone. Right? We don't do good alone. Just spend like 30 seconds on social media. Right? And you'll see everyone went bananas. March 2020, everyone lost their friggin' minds right? And all the crazy that we keep bottled up or like maybe our friends are like, nah, don't say that in public, right? Just came spewing out like somebody had hit a fire hydrant or something and the water just is like, look at my crazy, you know? Everyone, right? I don't think it's a coincidence at all that more crazy had come out of people during the time of COVID isolation than like any other time that I can remember, right? Because here's the truth. Isolation leads to insanity. Isolation leads to insanity. It's never the guy who lives alone in the cabin in a cabin in the woods that's well adjusted. You know what I'm talking about? You don't take life advice from that guy. Or that one like old woman that lives by herself and has five million cats. You don't over you don't ever go to her house and be like, hey ma'am, what life choices did you make that brought you here? Because I'd like to replicate those. Never. Never happens, right? I I read recently about this man named David Lidstone, also known as River Dave, 
right? River Dave lived as a hermit in New Hampshire for 30 years. For 30 years. His wife left him, his kids never talked to him. A hermit, complete isolation for 30 years. And at 81 years old, his cabin burned down and forced him out of his home and into society. Where other people in the small town that he lived vaguely near would like helped him put paid for his hotel and all this stuff because he was he was roughing it like chopping his own firewood hunting and trapping you know fishing out of the river I would assume right <laughs> hence the name River Dave right but after his, coming out of his hermitage right he he interacted with society and they interviewed him and he said this I've hidden too many years and now I've built relationships. And those relationships have continued to expand. Maybe the things I've been trying to avoid are the things that I really need in life. Maybe the things I've been trying to avoid are the things that I really need in life. See, Dave had taken this cold, analytical view of all the relationships in life, right? And he decided none were necessary. And some of us, can look very analytically at life, and we can say, you know what? Romantic relationships, that's necessary. That's a necessary one. Parental relationship. I, I, I feel a need to have a relationship with my parents. And when I become a parent, I feel a need to have a relationship with my children. Or maybe familial relationships. You're like, that's, you know, that, that one has to be there. I, I gotta be close to my, my brothers, my sisters, my cousins, Right? Or maybe you're like, uh, an essential relationship in my life is employee-employer, boss and worker. And if you look through these, all of these kind of check some needs that we have in our lives, right? The, you remember when you were in psychology class in high school and you had the hierarchy of needs? All of these hit one of these. Maslow, yeah, there you go. Except for friendship. Friendship on the surface seems to be the most useless one. It's superfluous, if I can use a big word. But the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible in Proverbs 18 says, One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. If you're new here, we believe that the Bible is true because it accurately describes how we should live and how we were meant to live. And what River Dave discovered is that this is true as well, is that he was alone He had no friends, and his life had come to ruin. Do you see that? So the Bible is describing reality when it tells us that friends are needed. In Genesis 1, chapter 27, we read that it says, God created mankind in his own image. It says, in the image of God he created them, male and female he created them. What this means for us practically, and I could preach a whole sermon about this if you like, and maybe I will one day. But what this means practically for us is that we are each meant to reflect God in some small way. See, you are a finite expression of God's infinite character. This means that there's something special about you, about that person next to you, about that person that you pass on your way to class that is infinitely unique and infinitely valuable. You cannot put a price on someone. 
See, but let me pause here because I'm sure some of you are like this. Like snarky little 13-year-old Scroggins would hear something like, we're all special. And I'd immediately think that no one is special, right? Like when we play in PE class in elementary school and they're like, you're all winners. I'm like, then we're all losers. This is stupid, <laughs> right? But, but I'm actually wrong. We can all be special. And Mr. Rogers is actually telling us the truth. We don't have to go to make-believe land. It's biblical truth. You're special. There is something about you that is incredible, that has never been seen before in human history and will never be seen again. Also here, man in Hebrew can also be read as humanity, as the collective noun meaning that we collectively are made in God's image as well. And that speaks to the need for one another. This is why you need friends. River Dave spent three decades trying to avoid friendship, only to find himself overwhelmed by his deep need for it. This wired-in need and desire for friendship is because we are created in God's image. You see, friendship is as deeply a part of God's character as any other characteristic that we may associate with him. So when you think that God is love, as deeply as that is true, God is your friend. When you think, maybe, that God is wrath, as deeply as that is true, he is your friend. You see, uh, we're going to get in the weeds here for a minute, so just bear with me. Christianity believes that God is triune. We believe in a Trinitarian God. That means that there's three persons within the Godhead himself. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Right? And if you want, like, breakdowns of how this can function, like, we can talk afterwards, you know? But let's just, let's just set that argument aside. We'll come back to it later, okay? Meet me afterwards. We'll go get some tacos or something, and we'll talk all about it, Okay? But what this means is that when we peer into the history books in heaven about what happened before creation, we will see the three persons within the Trinity loving one another and being friends. And the annals of eternity past are full of friendship. If we are created in his image, then friendship isn't some nice add-on to enrich our lives, but something more intrinsic to existence than gravity or the laws of physics. Before creation was, friendship was. So as true and real as the laws of gravity, as E equals MC squared is, as true and real as that is, friendship is, if not more. You still with me? See, we are made to be friends with one another and to be friends with God because friendship is intrinsic to who he is. You cannot separate God from friendship. And the beautiful thing about this, when we combine the idea of us being these unique creations with an intrinsic ability and capacity for friendship, it means that our lives can be enriched Beautifully. It means that we will bring out parts of each other's character that no one else will. An example of this is um, Pam and Jonathan, who are leading us in worship, are some of my oldest friends and closest friends. 
I've known them for so many years. And when they got married, they asked my daughter to be the flower girl in their wedding. Right? And they, I mean, they did it right. Like, my daughter's dream, like, her whole goal in life is to be a princess. That's it. Like, you know, she wants the whole carriage and chariot, all that stuff, right? And when Pam and Jonathan came over to ask Finnegan to be their flower girl, they brought a dress that they picked out for her. They brought a bouquet of flowers. And Finnegan's like, you had me at hello, you know? (laughs) She was in, right? But because they knew her, they saw within her something about her personality that would shine bright in the moment of being the flower girl at their wedding. That's not something I could do. I'm her dad. I love her. But she can't be the flower girl at my wedding. That would be awkward. But you understand what I mean. In the same way that Pam and Jonathan were able to see something about Finnegan and then set her up for a moment to where her personality could shine bright. In the same way you are to do that for others in friendship. Is that not beautiful? Does that not get anybody jazzed? (laughs) See, there's something beautiful about you. There's something wonderful and miraculous about you that God wants to show to the whole earth. And he wants to use friends to pull it out of you. He says it this way in Matthew 5. He says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. To hide the work of God that he has done in you or wanting to do in you when he knit you together in your mother's womb, is to rob the world of something that is truly sacred. When you shut people out of your life and do not allow them to be your friend, you are robbing the world of seeing something incredible. Because you are supposed to be that glittering city on a hill, that shining lamp on a stand, that people look at you And they're amazed at your Father in heaven. That also means to not seek friendship with others is to rob yourself of something truly fantastic and wonderful. When you don't actively pursue friendships or reciprocate friendships, you're robbing yourself. It's like somebody were to hand you the treasury, the bank account of Jeff Bezos, and you're like, nah, I'm good. That's how valuable someone is in your life. That person sitting next to you, maybe. That person that's in your class. You see what I mean? See, my daughter didn't have to be the flower girl, but Pam and Jonathan knew how she would shine in that moment and knew how marvelous it would be. And we would have all been robbed of one of the most precious moments of my life if they had not recognized the beauty that was there. And my life would be cheapened. I would have been robbed of one of of the most amazing things that I've seen, right? Right? 
And if it's true of that moment in my daughter, it's also true for you. And it's also true for your neighbor. We're all special. Do you see that? Everybody falling asleep or what? Just nod? Yeah, okay. When we walk with God, when we allow these friendships in our lives to mold us into the image of Jesus, we become what he has dreamed for us to become. And we really do become a brilliant, shining city on a hill. People are attracted to it. And you can't be hidden. You're like a lamp sitting on a lampstand and you're going to bring light into a dark room. See, God, through all the creation and through the people around you, is shouting at you that you are worth knowing and you deserve friends. But to become this, we must first be friends with God. Okay, so I didn't grow up in church. And I thought church people were either, they were two things, nothing in between. They were either hypocrites or the lamest people ever. Right? Um, There's this video that I I absolutely love. Have you seen, it's called, like just Google or something, Jesus is a friend of mine. And it's like the most cheesy video ever. Like we, I thought about having it play, um, but we just couldn't figure out technology. You know, we're not good at that. But just look it up and... That's how I thought Christians were. If they weren't some like horrible hypocrite, right, then they were that, you know? They're like Mr. Rogers, but not cool. You know what I mean? And so I had a friend, and he told me that he was friends with Jesus. I thought, like, that's the dumbest thing. And if you're like me, and didn't really grow up in this Jesus thing, you're probably thinking that Being a friend of Jesus is something pretty lame. Or maybe it's something unachievable. But let me tell you the truth. Jesus wants to be your friend. Like he said in John 15, 15, he doesn't want servants. He wants friends. One of my heroes in the faith, her name is Joy Dawson, an incredible woman of prayer, And she said one day she was praying, and she's saying, Lord, what do you want me to do? Lord, tell me what to do for your kingdom, and I'll do it. And the Lord just said, everyone always asks me what they can do for me, but no one wants to be my friend. Friendship is intrinsic and innate to who he is, and it is intrinsic and innate to who we are. It is our friendship with God that changes us and changes the people around us. If I can go on a a bit of a tangent here, think back to when you were a kid, right? When you were a little kid. We're talking four or five, right? Do you remember that feeling deep in your heart, deep in your soul, when you knew that you were meant to be someone? Before the world made you cynical and beat you up, back when you knew deep down in your heart there was a grand purpose out there, that you were going to change the world and that your life was going to matter. 
it's true. Don't listen to the world. Little five-year-old, four-year-old you that was wearing a pillowcase as a cape was right. That glorious purpose, that mattering, that being someone, that's called friendship with God. That little part of you, that little kid that's still in you, I know somewhere, you might have like threw duct tape over his mouth and shoved him in a corner, who knows. But that kid, that kid's right. And that gnawing that you have deep in your gut right now is telling you that it's true. You're meant to be God's friend. And it is through friendship with God that you can truly be someone. And that what you do in life will really matter, significantly matter. God's always intended to be your friend. We can read in the beginning of the Bible, in the book of Genesis, where it says he walked in the cool of the evening of the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, and he discussed the day with them. He'd revel in the joy of one another. And then at the end of the Bible, in this book called Revelation, we see that it says in the last chapter, finally the dwelling of God will be with the dwelling of man. The whole plan, the whole deal of the whole Bible is that he wants to be your friend. In fact... The patriarch of the three major monotheistic religions, right? Judaism, Islam, and Christianity. This one dude named Abraham. Do you know what he's called? Not prophet of God, not man of God, not priest of God, friend of God. The highest compliment that God could pay anyone on earth was friend. And that's what he wants with you is to be your friend. But there is one rule to friendship. This is the one hard thing that we must do to be friends with God and to be friends with others. That is this. Don't be a jerk. We laugh. But it's, it's true, isn't it? Every friendship that you've ever had end ended because either you or someone else was a jerk. To put fancy language around it, we say this is the rule of friendship, to unselfishly choose for the highest good of another person. To unselfishly choose for the highest good of another person. See, God is a true friend, and he wants only the best for you. So he wants you to have real, true friendship. He wants you to be what that little five-year-old you dreamed of being. Someone unique. Someone that mattered. And you can do that through friendship with him. And then you become a city on a hill, a light on a lampstand. And you begin to build friendships with the people around you that are transformative and life-changing and deep and rich. And this only happens if you unselfishly choose for the highest good of another. That means unselfishly choosing for the highest good of God in your friendship with him. And then unselfishly choosing for the highest good of your roommate if you're friends with them. And sometimes that means washing their dishes when they leave them in the sink for three days. 
And to put simply, this is the goal of, of our small groups. You were invited here by someone. And I hope they at least told you what we were about. Otherwise, I'm sure this is very confusing past hour. <laughs> During worship, everyone raises their hands like, man, they got a lot of questions to answer. <laughs> but that's the goal of our small group, is to help you be friends with God and to be friends with one another. To learn how to unselfishly choose for the highest good of God and the people around us. This is the goal of any Christian endeavor. Not because it's some religious edict, but because it stands as a shining fact of reality. Think of River Dave. Maybe, maybe what he needed his whole life all along was friendship. Maybe that one thing he was driving away was the thing he was very much searching for all those years he was alone in his cabin in the woods. When we begin to live in this manner, when we begin to live inside of our friendship with God and our friendship with others, and how sacred and how valuable those things are, then you will have a life full of shining, brilliant light and beauty. You will have a life that actually matters. So if the band could come back up. I don't want to have a closing time Right? Where we talk about friendship, then I'm like, go pray alone. You know, that sounds really stupid and counterproductive. <laughs> so what we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to sing a song just in response to what God has talked to us about today. And then after that, we'll pray and we'll go. And then you get to apply this friendship thing by going somewhere, breaking bread together, grabbing a meal, you know, if you're broke and you can't afford it, just turn to that person that brought you and be like, dude, unselfishly choosing for my highest good right now <laughs> is a triple-decker Whataburger. <laughs> what a sized with a Dr. Pepper shake. What? Never mind. Never mind. Call it all off. I'm just kidding. But that's what we need to do. Let's respond in worship to what we've heard. And if you're new here, worship is that thing where everybody was standing up and asking questions with their hands. <laughs> Let's respond to that with our hearts and then respond with our actions afterwards and go spend time with these people that want to learn how to unselfishly love you and be unselfishly loved by you.